I just went to Donald's uh, 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 Twitter account and I just okay. This is amazing. This is probably the best tweet he's ever sent. Um, I've had to put up with the fake news from the first day I announced that I would be running for president. Now I have to put up with a fake book written by a totally discredited author. Wait for it. <laughs> Ronald Reagan had the same problem and handled it well. Was <laughs> <laughs> this? Was this from this morning? Because the shit from yeah, yesterday morning ago. was fucking amazing. Yeah. Oh, God. No, it, it's been <laughs> he, good. He, he said he said he had the cheese brain now. That's what he said. <laughs> like, it, it also has made me happy because, like, if you squeeze his tweets at all, like, it's just like, like in his little rant yesterday morning, like, uh, oh, yeah. when he was like, oh, I, I won the presidency on my first try. It's like, did you realize you ran in 2000, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't though. He doesn't realize what he. No, I know. I know he doesn't. He absolutely does not know that. But he's like, I, I don't know if I ran for president. One time, I took a woman furniture shopping, and that's <laughs> that's See, when I like to do anything. I'm just more on the train of they've somehow uh, included it in their genetics for the right wing to have to mention Ronald Reagan at least you know once or twice a week or tweet or they have an aneurysm. Yeah. So. Okay, actually, we, I need to put a corollary onto the butthurt calorie thing. The other thing that's calories for these people is mentioning Ronald Reagan. Like, he's, like, already been turned into a saint. Well, he also knows nothing about Reagan. He's just doing the thing where people like when he says a thing. He's like, Reagan, right? You guys like him? You like Reagan, right? I like Reagan. Reagan's our guy. 9-11. <laughs> exactly. Like, when he kissed the Bible, he's like, oh, you people love this book. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> God, that was the fucking best when the dude was <laughs> the dude from Alabama. <laughs> like you gotta swear on a Bible. The dude's a Muslim. <laughs> like, that was so good. No, no, it could be any any book you'd like it to be. And then the guy was like, "But I always swore in on a Bible," and he was like, "Yeah, because you're a Christian, dude." And he just was like, "Well, it turns out I was wrong. I'm sorry." Actually, if Trump ever realizes that you can swear in on any book, he's gonna start making everyone swear in on Art of the Deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, like he'll be 69th Amendment. You have to swear in on Art of the Deal. <laughs> on a new copy that you just bought. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Line the them pockets. For a Actually, no, now someone needs to swear in on uh, Fire and the Fury in front of Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'll be like, sir, your position and disrespect... Uh, I'm just saying some kind of liberal bullshit. Yeah, yeah just watch I'd like that. <laughs> It'd be Mag good. people's heads explode. Oh man, it it's just it's it's great that the opposition party is like one in power and their entire policy agenda and like the policy agenda their base is expecting from them is like, ha ha, liberals, you're so triggered. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually literally they're literally reactionary. They they don't have content. <laughs> yeah, none. <laughs> It's really great. Well, you know, like, the Roman Empire fell apart because of, like, massive empire extension. The British Empire fell apart because of massive empire extension. Our empire's going to fall apart because we wanted to trigger the libs. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, it would be, like, a really cool platform to run on. Be like, trigger the libs by closing all American military bases abroad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I just feel like they're so easy to trick. I feel like we could just go out there and like change all the words we say and then just do whatever we wanted. <laughs> oh, wait, that's what already happened. See Mike Pence <laughs> slash every Republican right now. <laughs> no, oh, see, they want to trigger the libs by literally killing the poor. <laughs> but I mean, uh, you can't kill the poor because then you don't have any workers. We've been over this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do love his uh, infatuation with Hillary, though. Um, it it makes me happy that, like, she's living rent-free in his head constantly. Like, she's just out there, just like, she wrote her book, and, like, she's just living on a farm with her slaves and having a good time. And every day, well, Donald Trump gets up and 26. is like, Crooked Hillary doesn't understand that I am the most smart people who have the button that I will do it. Test me. Test me right now, and I will nuke See, whoever you ask me to, because I do not like Hillary Clinton, and she's fail, fail, sad, salty to you, sad, salty, sad, bye. That's the ultimate what? triggering libs, though, is that, well, let's just start a nuclear war and trigger the libs. <laughs> no, the well, ultimate the triggering libs is, yeah? We're just trapped in Groundhog Day where we never stop living in the 2016 election. It's still going on. It's still happening. But that is like one of the best ways to trigger the libs is to like insult Khaleesi and be like, maybe Hillary Clinton actually sucked ass. Yeah, because they still think she's running for the presidency. They're still like, once once Mueller gets him, then Hillary will become the president. <laughs> like, once, Mueller, once, once Mueller gets him, then Pence should resign because... That's the moral thing to do, and then Paul Ryan should resign and say Hillary Clinton's president now. Because if you follow <laughs> the line of succession laid out in the 25th Amendment, you get to the, the addendum that says that uh, that's how it works, is that Hillary Clinton wins. But it's just well, written in crayon. Like... It's, it's, I was about to say, it's handwritten <laughs> Nicholas Cage wrote it on the uh, Constitution after using it as a treasure map. <laughs> Oh, it's that like was these the Declaration of Independence. That... Please get your Nicolas Cage back, right? <laughs> they just forgot that Al Gore ever happened. They're like, what? But she got more popular votes. That's impossible. <laughs> they, they just literally forgot the Electoral College ever existed. Oh, it's really great. Yeah, that... Uh, uh, I'm just so depressed. It's just gonna end soon, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, I got about, like, one day into 2018 being like, hey, this could be it. This could be the year. <laughs> and then, nope, not even so. I don't know if he's, Trump is threatening nuclear war and also yelling about a book with other brain genius Steve He's Bannon. also, he's gotten back onto his bullshit of talking, of using a, a, a metonymy to talk about how he has bigger penis opponents. <laughs> <laughs> That's... The uh, most alpha move you can do. Look, his button works, war. okay? That's, it's stiff. It did win it's him the presidency. Fistical. It's actually in war, in war games when the computer's playing like tic-tac-toe, it's like the only winning move is to say my dick's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't no, say that, actually. Like... You have to say your ex is bigger. You're like, uh-huh, like, we'll play tic-tac-toe. So Look at my circles. My circles are so much larger than his ex's. My circles could go over his ex's and oh, no you, one would even notice the difference. You also have to say that the other person has ED and be like, yours doesn't work, mine works, mine's in full functioning order. Because he, well, it is best, just sexual pathology with him, actually. The best is the MAGA dumbasses, like, 
citing this as the reason that North and South Korea starting talks. They're just like, see, he fucking did it. Like, <laughs> Trump fucking, he showed he him his dick and they started talking. They probably are terrified. They're like, no, this guy will actually press the button. We need to sort this shit out. <laughs> well, and they literally elected a guy who ran on maybe the U.S. is not a good partner. Maybe it's bad because he was staring down the barrel of like fucking singing along with John McCain to bomb, bomb, bomb Iran, Hillary Clinton, and cheese for brains, Donald Trump. Which is great Wouldn't because be great we're just moving more. The got fixed because they're all terrified of Trump. They're just like, oh Jesus, like no, because then he'd if we win don't fix Israel Palestine, he might come back. It's gonna come back quick. Say we solved it. Yeah, see that, but that's the problem is if if we let that happen. Or if that does happen, is just like he's just going to come out and take all. The, I mean, he he takes credit not only for things that haven't happened yet, things that didn't happen, and like true, just like false things that he's saying he did, but he also takes credit for everything that might have happened under him. Like the Dow goes up, and he's like, "Oh my God, look at the economy! This number there that we made up on this fake crashes. stock market." Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, the second it crashes, he's going to be like, "Oh, libs, libs destroyed it, libs, libs," and then it's like. <laughs> Like, like, what do you take? Clinton he took credit for uh, that plane into Benghazi. Yeah, he took, <laughs> he took credit for not having any airline passenger deaths in 2016. And it was like, what do you have to do with that? <laughs> also, no one has died in plane crash in 2009, but he's probably like, I did that too. Yeah, exactly. Just like Reagan, I dealt with the air traffic controllers. <laughs> oh, it's greasy. But that's the thing, though, Adam. That's the point. Is if we get some problems solved, it doesn't matter. He'll, he will say he solved them, or he will say anything, and, and they don't exist. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oh, that's no. great. I hope we just ride this into like fifteen hundred years of turmoil, and it really, really can crank up the the class struggle, so that we can just convince more people to join our side. Yeah. Just- Go the accelerationist route. I mean, that's what I've been saying for a while now. I mean, there's just nowhere. I mean, there's no further to fall, and I'm just ready for it to be over. Hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) Until, like, Steve Bannon runs in 2020 and is like, actually, I do mean it when I say that I will give you white rural people that are poor economic things, and then wins the presidency and is like, what I meant by job was concentration camps. And and then we have to live with that. I mean, when yeah. when Elon Musk just takes over the country because he's the last person who still gives out jobs anymore. That fucking he tweeted something where he's like, "I'm gonna make some like tested charging station into like a a '50s restaurant," and I just wanted to die so much. That's what's gonna bring our nation back on top is '50s Bro, nostalgia classic, cafes. Classic '50s, man. Why are you even hating? Yeah, that's when America was great. You know, you didn't like the spriddle, dude. <laughs> don't fucking chew on no, spriddles. No, I, okay? I don't. I just don't like Elon Musk. Okay, one get a real name. Get a real name. You are so rich that you just crash space planes. Okay, get a real name, man. Number two, what are you doing? I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home. In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned Many a lesson I have learned Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong 
way down yonder in the Indian nation to ride my pony on the reservation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. Now way down yonder in the Indian nation, the cowboy's life is my occupation in those Oklahoma hills where I was born. I'm Adam Burnett. I'm Carl Roberts. I'm Barbara Nelson. And I'm Stephen Lessman. And this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. Uh, so this week it is, we are finally up to our new uh, full co-host roster. Uh, four of us now, which is uh, going to be really fun uh, and hopefully very uh, bantery as we've already uh, been enjoying this morning. Uh We've also this is a this is the half year mark for the show. Um, this has been it, we, we've we've it's been a little slightly longer than that because we've had some weeks that we didn't put out and a couple of regular weeks. But uh, this is twenty six out of fifty two, and uh, it's 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 really awesome. Um, it's been it's been a great uh, great little ride so far. But uh, I think we're gonna jump into national news um, and then just right off the top, um, we've got. Um, the Iran uh, protests that are going on right now, and uh, who wants to take this one? Uh, you know, I, I, I could start us off to give us some, some groundwork, because I actually, um, something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about a bit more later, I actually was at a, a solidarity demo here in town a few days ago for this, um, put on by the Worker Communist Party of Iran. Um, but right now, since they allow that to exist? Yeah, it's fucking East Germany. They don't know the walls down yet, I think. Um, so you just slap communists in front of stuff, and people are like, Bleh. Um, Bleh. Uh, But so uh, on December 28th, there was an, uh, the Iranian government was like, oh, eggs are going to cost more. Um, no joke. That, that's what happened. And people have been, they're mad. Have we sent Danny DeVito say, over there to offer some eggs? I think that's a good piece <laughs> of it. <laughs> that should actually be all U.S. foreign policy. It's just Danny DeVito <laughs> saying, "Would you like an egg in these trying times?" <laughs> I, I think it's a market improvement. You know? It would. It would be much better than like Nikki Haley making me want to die every day, um, <laughs> and like oil company stupid man. Uh, uh, but so, so they they said egg prices are going to increase on December twenty eighth, and protests mainly outside of Tehran. Uh, you know, really started intensely. Um, it's been going on for a while. The number of dead people has gone up to over twenty, I think, today. Um, at this point, and uh, the government has been doing classic, you know, strongman repressive government shit. Uh, arrested, you know, multiple hundreds of people at this point, and it, the protests are still going. Um, so I haven't been following this super closely because it's in one of those uh one of them they're not american countries uh, <laughs> what what exactly are they like it seems like there's a kind of scattered amount of things that people are protesting for it kind of just seems like everyone's getting in on the protesting yeah so like the general push the the people that seem to be really running the protests or, or i'm that, guessing it's more than just the eggs people. yeah yeah it is um, the, the exit is the proximate cause, um, because what happened was Hassan Rouhani, the, the current president of Iran, got elected running on a, on a program of saying, hey, we need to end the international re regime of sanctions on Iran so that we can fix economic problems in the country. Um, 
that started to work well. That's an important part of why the Iran nuclear deal, deal happened, since the U.S. is just like a shit country and give a fuck give about a what it fuck. International yeah. <laughs> just doesn't matter. Ask any Native American how how trustworthy the federal government is, <laughs> and, and you'll know. Um, uh, the the sanctions, the Iran deal has been decertified by Trump, which has put some problems on the Iranian economy, but also Rouhani, who's like a centrist reformer, has been put under pressure by the the hard right core of the government, and so he hasn't been able to do as much, you know, uh, stuff to make the economic life for regular working Iranians better. And that's resulted in, like, this rise in egg prices was a point that, you know, directly affects people's day-to-day lives, right? But that also let a ton of people, you know, surprise, surprise, a lot like in Oklahoma, really anywhere in the core of the country, um, in middle America, (coughs) the same Iranians that, you know, form the group that we would assume is Donald Trump's base are out on the street because they're like, this is fucking shit. We, you know, we go get co- a college education and, we, and we're working three fucking minimum wage jobs and don't have access to anything. Yeah, I was going to say that. It seems really similar to a lot of the grievances that, you know, our sort of middle class, working class has here. You mean proletariats I mean, exist in other countries? I don't think you're, I don't <laughs> well, think, I can't it, understand it, what you're saying. It's actually, big if uh, true. Big if true. <laughs> Probably not true, though. That's <laughs> nah, um, nah, nah. There's not a proletariat in the first world country. You know, read your mouth. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, 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 have, we have fridges. Um, clearly can't be the proletariat. Uh, but that's actually a really important part because most of this has been organized. And what was really cool about going to that solidarity demo is that groups like the Worker Communist Party of Iran and labor organizations have been central to the protests, right? And so... The Iranian government is saying, oh, it's outside actors, it's the CIA and the British, and that's bullshit, because... <laughs> they literally like blamed it on foreign agents on why they fired <laughs> on the crowd. I thought that was insane. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's also, I mean, that's the Iranian thing, since, since 1953, they've been able to say, those fucking British people are coming for your shit. Um, but they haven't been wrong. I mean, yeah, well, yeah. They're, they're coming for our guns, right, here in the United States, so I'm still waiting No, that's the UN them. with Iran. And oh. China, also ISIS, because we can't in America. You can't tell that Sunnis <laughs> and Shias are, are different. Um, yeah, oh. it's true. <laughs> um, but but so organized labor has been really important, and so the whole foreign agent thing is just you know fa- fake news. Like that, that's not a joke, and it it stands in really stark contrast to 2009 with the Green Revolution when a bunch of fucking uh, basically, like Hillary Clinton supporters of Iran came out on the street and were like, Meh, maybe we shouldn't have a religious council that decides if people can run for president. And then no one got into it because they were like, also, though, we should be able to rip off four people. And, and that's the big change now, is that that's going on. Um, but, you know, it's an interesting time period, I think, for... <laughs> Iran, since there's also massive heightened tensions with Saudi Arabia and Gulf Arab states. Yeah, and I yeah, think... What's, what's the U.S. response been to these protests? Are we even concerned <laughs> with them? <laughs> I mean, I feel like we'd try and fuel any instability in Iran if we could, but... Well, yeah, so the CIA, as normal, they find the group that has the fewest number of guns, 
they give them they give them a bunch of guns and then they wait a month and a half and they see which group has the smallest number of guns and then they give them more guns it's 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 basically yeah normal CIA policy uh, they don't let DJT near any of the, uh, you know, destabilizing foreign countries. He just mostly plays on his phone and takes naps, so. <laughs> I thought the CIA just gave guns and money to the people most likely to turn into Al-Qaeda in 20 years. I thought, I thought that was our it, form. It's, um, it's even less Probably. thoughtful than that. It's really just who has the fewest, and they give them the guns. And then... <laughs> It's just a cycle. Every couple months, they just hand away guns to who has the fewest guns. It works I'm well. To think this might not be the best foreign policy to pursue in the Middle East. Oh. Don't worry about it. Well, Stop see, thinking. Our other foreign policy option with Iran, which of course has wide consensus and clearly would work. Uh, give more money to the Saudis. Well, give more money to the Saudis. Also, bomb Iran. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was just that, say nuke them. That's the <laughs> half world away, man. Why? Yeah. Well, okay, if you knew, I mean, that's kind of what was always scary about, like, Kelly and McMaster's and uh, Mattis, like, being behind the throne of Trump, is that they're just (laughs) salivating over a new war with Iran. Yeah, the low profile held by Pence and those guys is uh, a little frightening. Yeah. And that's also been, I think, one of the, the big shapers in U.S. foreign policy since we had Nikki Haley, that intolerable fucking scumbag of a human, take try and take a vote up in the Security Council to say, oh, we need to censure Iran and start laying the groundwork for, like, possibly putting us in a situation where we go, quote-unquote, help the protesters by bombing their families until they all die. Um, which, thank God, everyone in the Security Council was like, motherfuckers, what are you doing? No, this is not okay. <laughs> Except for the week and a half um, that Steve Bannon was on the UNSC, and he was just, <laughs> or the USSC, and he was just like, uh, <laughs> we could bomb black communities in the US and do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Bannon's foreign policy is just do the move bombing again. But that I think though the the most important part of our foreign policy response has been Donald Trump saying, you know, you need to respect their right to 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 talk and, and protest how they want to, while at the same time like pushing very hard for anyone who protests in the to U.S. To, yeah, to like probably get the death sentence. Sending cease and desist letters for fucking <laughs> for writing a book. Yeah, but put that uh, pin down, sir. <laughs> The the I think the Iran thing too is um, it 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 is interesting because so much of how especially like foreign policy is framed by like neoliberals is like yeah this push and pull like like yeah you know, we've all been making fun of like Hillary Clinton but like if yeah, she the was in the sum game. yeah if she was in the presidency she would just be like like maybe not you know exerting hard power but like they would be exerting all kinds of soft power. And like, no, she would 100% be exerting soft power, hard power, yeah. like 100%. Oh, Hillary yeah. Clinton, she's an incredibly hawkish well, I mean, yeah, yeah, personality. But, I mean, besides bombing, I mean, you know, you might not bomb protests, but well, I mean, you know, who knows what she'd actually do. But I think that at the very least, you'd see a lot more of the, san- the same kind of sanctions that caused the difficult decision making by the Iranian government and their own problems and theocratic or i guess not the but you know religious uh it, it, very theocratic yeah, yeah. <laughs> deeply <laughs> theocratic uh, but like, i think it was an 80 huh not theocracy yeah <laughs> what we read uh, but i think like, so i think it's also worth mentioning 
Yeah? No, keep going. Well, I think it's very important to mention that, like, part of why this happened is because, and we do generally have this image of Iran in the U.S. that is 80% true, I'd say, where, like, these fucking insane mullahs run the country. And they're a lot less crazy than, like, Saudi people, um, because, well, like, much of which was, like, propped up and assembled by us in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but still, I mean, she... Like the the people leading Iran are not nearly as religiously insane as the Saudis, but still they're, they're fucking crazy. But Iran still has elections, and they're not free elections, but they are fair elections in the sense that they like take it seriously that people get to vote. It's just the candidates have to be approved by uh, the religious people above the president. And the problem, like one one of the the bigger causes is that Hassan Rouhani, the current president of Iran, got elected on a policy of saying, "I don't give a shit about having nuclear weapons or anything. I want to make sure that people have basic needs met," which is was something that was impossible under the before the Iran nuclear deal under international sanctions. And the fact that he can't do that because of the theocracy is why people is a part of why people are so mad because you go, you vote, you do organization for that and so on, and then you don't get shit. And that's very different from just like, no, you're not going to get shit anyways. Fuck off. Like that, people get a lot more mad about having it dangled in front of them, thinking it might change, and then having it not change than when you can't change it. And I, I don't think as well that we ever talk about that when we talk about Iran and the best, that people yeah, go vote. People do vote that they do participate in a process. Yeah. I, I, what do you see coming of this? Is this just one of a like continuing string of protests, or do you think there'll be like meaningful change coming out of this one? I mean, I think to me it looks like, especially because of where it's coming from, the country that there is a real possibility for serious change. Um, because you have people, there are some people doing chants that are clear CIA plants, I think, <laughs> but then there are some people that are are doing chants like fuck off Syria, fuck off Palestine, stuff like that, because they're like, we're overextended as a country and we're not focusing on doing our own stuff. And and hardline ideologues in the Iran Revolutionary Guard for the, the kind of deep religious state that runs the country have ideological interests in doing things that just mean wasting money, propping up, you know, Assad and Hezbollah. And so there might be a change in that, and it, that it's also coming from the place that the regime has always said is its core of support, you know, it'd be like if Oklahoma elected some socialists, that would be really groundbreaking <laughs> and people would be like, oh, fuck, maybe this is a lot more complicated. And that that kind of ideological breakup of, of the social fabric of Iran where they can't say, oh, it's just these fucking liberals in Tehran that want to be able to listen to Western rock music and get drunk, uh-huh. where they have to say, oh, it's people that want real economic change that we used to be able to, you know, play off as our, our support, that that presents a new opening. And we're, I mean, we're going to see, you know, I don't know how, how well organized labor is in Iran, but it's organized well enough that they, they've had some strikes uh, in December that were able to affect some changes. So maybe, maybe we're in for a, a, a pretty big change in Iran. We'll see. It'd be nice. Yeah, that'd be really interesting to keep an eye on. <laughs> Well, we're probably going to be in for a pretty big change in the U.S. sooner rather than later, since uh, Mr. Steve Bannon has uh, officially been released from uh, all things to do with uh, the hard alt-right, because he accidentally talked to Michael Wolf for too long. 
Uh, <laughs> not accidentally. He meant it. I 100% believe oh, that yeah. he did this on purpose. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, yeah. I think he didn't realize that the dude had a recorder in his pocket, even though the dude was probably like, I have a recorder in my pocket. But, uh, so, I mean, I'm sure anyone listening has is, is seen so, at least some of this come out. But uh, Michael Wolff was a reporter for The Hollywood Reporter. He had been embedded at the White House for the last year. Um, apparently, you can be embedded at the White House, but Donald Trump said he never gave him pres- permission. So I guess I could just like walk into the White House and be like, I'm writing a book. I will stay here now and sit in the West Wing. Hello. But whatever. But Michael Wolff also says that in his, in his Hollywood Reporter piece where he's like, Trump's non-disapproval let me keep coming in without anybody asking questions. Yeah. And I could see Trump just being like, eh, eh, eh. and then they're just like, well, we don't know what to do because... Well, Bannon has so many things embedded direction. in him already, it was hard to like see another thing in there. <laughs> but um, So he, he intended on releasing the book Fire and Fury, uh, my insane year inside the uh, inside the Trump White House, and uh, a song of fire and fury. Yeah, uh, <laughs> where I sat on a bench for a year. And um, I mean, basically, as soon as he put it out, uh, there were articles coming out from people who uh, did pre-reads of some of the quotes, uh, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, they they uh, ran the the book, and Donald was like, "All right, well, we're gonna sue them and not let them." Put it, and also I need a personal apology from the author, which is like really good from like a presidential standpoint. And so um, they released the book four days early, and it is just sold out everywhere. You, it's a two month waiting period on Amazon because I intended on getting it, and they said, <laughs> "Yeah, it's going to be two months before we can get you that." And I was like, "Oh, okay, well, thanks." Uh, but and then I mean, it's just gone from there until yesterday morning when. Uh, old Donnie decided to inform the world that he's a he's a genius and much smarter than all of us <laughs> plebeians and and uh, but I mean we can just go through I mean some of the stuff in this book I thought was really interesting was really like not as much the stuff about Donald having the cheese brain because like one we already know that and two like you everyone, can just yeah, yeah you can just go yeah. to his Twitter account and like see like the run on sentences and like the where he like puts a like a question word and a question mark but he doesn't ask a question and like that kind of stuff and like yeah uh, i think a lot of the stuff about his mental state is like new but unsurprising yeah i think some of the really great stuff is like this quote from bannon they're gonna crack don jr like an egg on national television uh in regards to the alleged (laughs) collusion with the kremlin oh boy that see i love i love cooking shows yeah i know you do too adam <laughs> yeah. so that's gonna be uh, so uh just this guy is... fieri like feasting on don jr and like some shitty diner in like <laughs> el reno and then so Johnny I, Cash is hers playing in the background. I, I, I oh, want no, it's actually it's actually at the bottom of the Trump Tower in one of those taco bowls <laughs> when they just decided to put an egg on top so I want to read this, this little series of uh, quotes from Bannon because it, it, I think it just, it just underscores how everything works. And, like, it's just such a, I don't know, it's like this is such a seedy underbelly that you sign a flashlight in it. When you when read Steve Bannon talking about this, it's just like, oh, my God, all those things I thought were too evil for them to do, they were doing the whole time. So uh, uh, Bannon. Just badly. Just really badly. Bannon was particularly like, scathing about a June 2016 meeting involving uh, Don Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, and a Russian lawyer at Trump Tower in New York. 
Um, an intermediary uh, who is, uh, it was uh, the secretary for Donald, had received documents that would that promised to incriminate Hillary Clinton. Uh, and Don Jr. had said, I love it. And we've all seen that because he put it on Twitter and it was really great. Um, <laughs> so Bannon remarks, the three senior guys in the campaign thought it was a good idea to meet with a foreign government inside Trump lawyer or inside Trump Tower in the conference room on the 25th floor with no lawyers. They didn't have any lawyers. Even if you thought that this was not treasonous or unpatriotic or bad shit, I happen to think it's all of that, and you should have called the FBI immediately. Uh, Bannon goes on to say, it should have been set up in a Holiday Inn in Manchester, New Hampshire, with your lawyers who meet with these people. Any information could then be dumped down to Breitbart or something like that, or maybe some other more legitimate publication. You never see it. You never know about it <laughs> because you don't need bus. to. But that's the brain trust that they had. The chance that Don Jr. did not walk these Jumos up to his father's office on the 26th floor is zero. <laughs> One, I'm not using Jabroni anymore. I'm using Jumo. I know that it's a terrible racist slur, but the fact that Bannon's just throwing it out there, I like. All the rest of what this. What even yeah. is Jumo? I've never heard that sl- slur before. I don't know, but it's really great. <laughs> it's uh, when two fat guys do Krav Maga with each other, a combination of Jewish sumo. <laughs> it's, it's actually when all of the Jews just like straighten out all of their curls. It's Jewish emo. Ah, <laughs> so, Jewish uh, emo. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, and then, yeah, like, Parker, you caught this too, but like, Steve Bannon is, like, a major partner at Breitbart, and he's just like, yeah, illegitimate, not actually news. It's uh, basically where we take information that is false or misleading and then just disseminate it as fast as possible. <laughs> they one time had this, they had this, like, they, they put a German news article into Google Trans, into, like, a thing that Google translates something into 34 languages before it takes it back to English, right? And then they just posted that as a story, like, we're Muslim. Um, but that... Isn't that so indicative of, like, father-like son here? You know, Don <laughs> Jr. is a genius, too. Like, fundamentally. <laughs> it, I, the, it just... It, it blows me away because <laughs> I... Like, that, that's what we've all said what happened, right? Is that, oh, there's no way if they actually b- brought these Russians into Trump Tower, there's no way, like, they always say, oh, Donald wasn't in the room. What? There's zero way that he wasn't there. Or that Don, G- like, Bannon said, like, Bannon, I don't even have to quote myself. Bannon is like, yeah, Don Jr. walked these Jumos up to his father's office. There's no way. <laughs> and, like, but the other part, like, the, the political, like, uh, assassination portion, like, the, 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 the like, the campaigning portion of like being like, uh, yeah, no, we used Breitbart to like sell fake information and like also information that like isn't trustworthy and isn't good. And we were just like working with anyone who would talk to her, to us. And it's just like all of that. Ah, it's so deliciously tasty. (laughs) I'd like to think that Breitbart is actually the right wing AI version of Homo. You know what I'm talking about, Carl? No, what are you talking about? Uh, so elsewhere dot elsewhere.org did made a postmodernist uh, generator for random articles that would just put a bunch of like postmodern 
like jargon <laughs> oh, together in a document yeah, yeah. And you read it and you literally can't discern whether or not it's true or not it's like <laughs> like, like, like this is some really good judith butler right here <laughs> i just pulled it up just to just to give you a taste and uh it's the, the the title is Objectivism, Constructivism, and Neo-Semantic Sublimination. And the first <laughs> the first sentence is class is fundamental fundamentally illegal fiction, said Baudrillard. So, <laughs> so I mean I'm ho- I'm thinking Breitbart is just the right wing version of this. It kind of is. Kind of uh-huh. is. Isn't it? Oh yeah. In a way. Yeah, it just uses like AI to generate new crimes that people of color are doing across the country that it makes up. <laughs> Plug and play, choose your own adventure type of AI. <laughs> it's just a Mad Libs that they're filling out with different slurs. <laughs> well, to be fair, Breitbart is just copying Fox News at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that, that's a good business model. Also, HuffPo, like HuffPo just writes something where it's like disgusting racist says unbelievable thing and then it's just like some white guy says like you got to call a spade a spade and it's like well that that just sounds racist but it's actually not <laughs> a, a racist phrase um but did, well, did you all... get is this population of people i mean all of the fox news breitbart you know right-wing reactionary people who are still like all full bore on board with Breitbart and everything after seeing something like this. I mean, do they just think it's all fake news, even if it's coming straight from Bannon? Yeah, no. Like, no, I mean, see, it's <laughs> it's true because it confirms their beliefs. You forget. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you, I, you, I guess... You, you underestimate yeah, so how little news, critical thinking you. skills... <laughs> Overestimate their critical thinking skills. So I, so I, I, want, I want, I want to, I want to uh, toot my own horn, and then I, I have something kind of to say on that too. So one of the, one of the other Bannon quotes I wanted to get to um, is in discussing uh, Jared and Ivanka's role, and basically that uh, one of my favorite quotes from the article uh, was in reference to the fact that like what Mueller is going after. Bannon was saying that what Mueller is going after is all of the money laundering that Kushner has done through Deutsche Bank, and the quote was. The Kushner shit is greasy, and that's something I've actually said before. And Bannon went on. You have said that like ninety times on the show, Adam. I know. I'm just glad that Bannon. When are Bannon we getting I... our Breitbart money, motherfucker? Yeah. I want the Mercers to pay for this goddamn podcast. Bannon and I are on a wavelength, all right. And so Bannon and I are on another wavelength too. He said the daughter will bring down the father. And I'm telling you, boys, Ivanka's going to be the one to flip. I can smell her weakness. All the way in Oklahoma, <laughs> I can smell it. But, okay, so um, we all saw Donald's little uh, tirade after all of this, you know, kind of talking about his cheese brain. We also saw his little tirade on Twitter. And, like, the, the actually throughout my life, my two greatest assets have been my mental stability and being, like, really smart. And I got on... Uh, some of my more favorite uh, alt-right website areas to see what they had to say. Because I was just like, dude, anyone who writes the word, like, writes the phrase and being, like, really smart, just, like, like I just, just cheese brain 101. And I went there, and they were like, oh, man, the libs are going to be so triggered by this because, um, like, he's just baiting them. And, like, he is smart because all he's doing is his this is 12-dimensional Chinese checkers because, like, they're going to see this and be like, oh, my God, he's got the cheese brain. But in reality, he's making fun <clears> of them for thinking he has cheese brain by acting like he has cheese brain. And I just want to note for everyone involved, 
that if you have cheese brain and you want, or like if you don't have cheese brain and people are making fun of you for having cheese or like saying like, oh, he might have cheese brain. You shouldn't just like Charlie Kelly out and not be able to write like full sentences. <laughs> like prove that you can write a sentence and then, and then we can move forward. But like. Until you said that, I had no idea that we elected Charlie, racist Charlie Kelly. Yeah, like that, absolutely. Who has a really bad tan? I am uh, so full on racist. Like uh, see, Except see Donald what I... Trump said, I'm a full on okay? yeah. I'm on a bus with the shittiest Bush brother. I'm a full on racist. And he didn't uh, mean philanthropist. He doesn't, he doesn't know that. You can't use more than two syllable words. See, what I would like to see, though, is um, from, from one of the Rick and Morty episodes, actually. Um, and of course, you have to have 200 IQ. You know what I mean to understand Rick and Morty here. Uh, 200. So, uh, I'm sorry. 2,000. Sorry. 42,069 IQ. So, excuse, sorry if if our if our, you know what I mean. If if y'all don't understand my reference, but um, they there was one of the episodes where they like where uh, Beth and Jerry put on their little fucking uh, headpieces, right, to see what the other one thinks of them. I want to collectively hook up all of the, these Trump supporters to that machine to see just the gigantic conglomerate that is Donald Trump within their mind. But it's, it's just going to be like a 32-foot-tall penis with machine guns that chases down black people <laughs> and, like, blames them for, like... With great the, like, hair. With yeah. great hair. Well, and, like, it's just going to, like, chase it's down a, black a people and be like... the bottom of a bald eagle made of an American flag. But, like, it's just going to chase down black uh. people and be like, oh... My 32-inch flat-screen TV isn't 3D, and, like, that's y'all's fault because I don't can't get enough hours to go get a new TV. And also, my daughter broke her leg, and now I have to pay $8 billion to this hospital. Oh, because there's no such thing as insurance anymore. Great. Great. I'm so excited. It is great. Though I want to say, probably the biggest deal for me in this whole shit um, is this thing that come out that, like, not everybody's talking about because everybody fucking misses the point, and I love riffing, and it's super fun, <laughs> but in the book, Michael Wolf says that at some point, Donald Trump asked, why can't Medicare simply cover everybody? <laughs> and, and the reason he asked that is precisely the reason he got elected, because he did run on a surprisingly populist economic policy, right? He was like, people don't have jobs, and that's bad. People should have good jobs and healthcare. Mm -hmm. And people were like, damn, fuck. Somebody who's racist, but also says I shouldn't die of medical debt. Whoa! Everything I've been looking for in a candidate, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and the fact that he and Bannon are fighting really hard is, me, really good, because Bannon actually means that shit, right? Bannon had called up some other liberal reporter, uh, four or five months ago, and he was like, hey, progressives, we should work together because I want to put white Americans to work. And the progressive reporter was like, I would like to put Americans to work, sir, not, not, not just whites. It, it's not the new deal. We, we don't do the racist parts anymore. Um, <laughs> and, and if Donald Trump had actually managed to, to do that when he was president, I would be utterly fucking terrified of what would happen. Because here in Europe, you look at Poland, you look at Hungary, and these fucking people that are straight up like, my grandpa fought with the Nazis, and that was a good thing. Um, their political party's doing fucking good because they're, they're taking people that are getting shafted by capitalism, and they're getting them economic benefits. And the fact that Donald Trump isn't doing that, the fact that he and Bannon are, are so 
the fact that Bannon said something bad about him, and to Donald Trump, second you say something bad about him, of course he's like, well, n- friendship ended with Steve yeah, Bannon. Sloppy Steve. With- Sloppy yeah, Steve. Like celebrity gossip. Sloppy Steve. Um, God, but- was it Donald that came up with that phrase? Yeah, no, it's on his Twitter. Sloppy Steve. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's the best thing that, that could have happened because that probably means that, you know, everybody is going to, all the people that are going to run on like a, a quote unquote Trumpist ticket for the Republican Party aren't going to be doing the economic shit. Yeah. They're just going to be like, maybe instead of Republican dog whistling racism, we should just do real racism. Yeah. And I mean, that's shitty and bad for a whole number of fucking reasons, but I don't think that that poses the same political threat. Um, right. that, that somebody who's, who's being like, we should run on racism, but also on making your lives materially better does. Well, I think that but the blatant racism is enough to turn off at least some of the, like, suburban far-right people who at least want subtle racism. Mm. Yeah, who are like, I'm not racist, I just like racist policy outcomes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, but I think, I, think, um, I think you run into a problem. I think, like, there is a careful balance that happens because like yeah they don't want to do like they don't want to do the like overt dog whistling but like i also think that like we've miseducated so many people in this country to the point that like yeah like he comes out and he's like oh why can't you know medicare cover everybody it's because like even with three quarters of a cheese brain he can see that like it wouldn't be impossible Like it's really not that it difficult. It's like, <laughs> oh, you mean system, yeah. we could stop giving like, uh, like, and like a lot of his pol- and like a lot of the things he says and a lot of the policy things he says, like a lot of the, oh, we need to stop giving money to like foreign countries, like that's shit. Like, th- like hard leftists have been saying for a long time, like we need to stop <laughs> doing military spun- spending everywhere so that we can actually like focus on like you know maybe infrastructure or yeah providing healthcare to everyone and like. Those are things he actually ran on and like things his base cares about, but like it's not something that is like feasible under the Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, lizard skin Republican Party that exists. Well, it's it's also one of those things because I mean you have kind of three camps. I think in the White House you have Jared and Ivanka, who are Hillary Clinton Democrats, and I mean that very seriously. Mm-hmm. That's it's what they are. Yeah. Um then you have like the Paul Ryan's, like, if four people starve, that means my policies are good. And then you had Steve Bannon, who was like, maybe, um, maybe white people shouldn't starve. And, and I mean, of course, he only said maybe white people shouldn't starve. Like, that's an important part of it. But he was like, shit actually fucking sucks. And Republican policy is trash. And I think the reason Donald Trump won is because nobody's ran on that. Literally, nobody has ran on fiscally liberal fiscally liberal but socially conservative that kind of fascist fascist fascistic maybe better to say ticket where you're like well you all would be doing economically well if it weren't for those goddamn insert ethnic group here right yeah and and that's why i won because that's what republican voters want because it's gotten so fucking shitty in this country that there are two things you can say are, are what's making the country shitty and that that's you know something that is like race or ethno-nationalism or, or, or like cultural shit, however you want to call yeah, it, basically the racism. Cul- the culture war. Just yeah. that culture war that we... But, but that culture war shit is still where you're saying, you know, the problem, you would have a good economic life if it weren't for those black people on welfare or something. Yeah. But we're going to yeah. give you yeah. that welfare. We need to give you that shit because 
as the white, you know, some Richard Spencer type shit. We are like the white race needs to take care of itself. That's fucking shitty. Fuck all those people. All those people actually probably should get thrown in the, the ocean to drown. Um, <laughs> but that's also why Bernie Sanders did so well. It's because he was like, yeah, it's all shit. And the Republican policy is basically saying, no, it's not shit. And yeah, you should die. And that's why he was able to win, I think, fundamentally. Yeah. Well, I think uh, from, from that, uh, we should probably move on to uh, things that also are shit and cause people to die. Uh, principally spraying salt water in between the layers of the earth and then packing that with sand and then going, what do you mean that causes earthquakes? Yeah, so there's a, uh, there's a, new, a new report out. Post World did some, some good number crunching. I'll actually post this article since they did like the, the math and shit, and that's, that's worth representing in the Tulsa world, unlike the Oklahoma and his actual news. Um, <laughs> but they, they did some math, and they're basically like, okay, we're getting less earthquakes than we were in 2014 when we like had, you know, like, everybody cover your fucking bum earthquakes, right? Um, and yet, at the same time, what they're saying is, okay, there's a lot less wastewater disposal from fracking, right? Uh, not just from fracking, from any kind of oil production, you get a ton of, like, the, the kind of water that you find if you go to a creek in Pitcher, Oklahoma, you get that, it's, right? It's Norman, it's Norman water. Yeah, it's like Norman water if Norman water was the Hulk and got angry, you know? <laughs> um, it, it's just the most disgusting fucking shit. It's this, like, cum slurry of hate water. Um, and so what you do to get rid of it is you have to... The only effective way to do it, because it's so fucking poisonous, it's like Hanford water from the, the nuclear site up in uh, western Washington or eastern, uh, up in, somewhere up in the Pacific Northwest, right? Mm -hmm. Where they have a shit ton of nuclear stuff in the water. It's just, it's disgusting. And you have to inject it under the water table to keep it from getting into the water table, because if it does, then, okay, you can't drink any of the water until it gets to the ocean where you can't drink it anyway. Um, and that, as we all know, has been what's driving earthquakes in the state, right? We're all aware of that. It's been putting a ton of pressure on fault lines that are already existed in Oklahoma and, and made just insane amount of an insane amount of earthquakes, right? Like before um before fracking really picked up in the early tens, early 2010s, we were getting, you know, below five magnitude earth magnitude 3.0 or higher earthquakes and you know now we're getting multiple hundreds a year right and that's been all about that and the problem right now is that while there's a lot less fracking and a lot less wastewater disposal those earthquakes are going to be going on at these insanely high rates compared to what you'd expect for the state of oklahoma and until an open-ended future we we don't know when that's going to stop because it's all there right and the problem with that is, I think, really indicative of, of where we are right now, because it's, it's kind of this microcosm of the core problem of global warming, right? That it works really well for a certain group of people, oil executives, in the short run, and then we all have to live with these fucking long-term problems open-ended, and there's nothing you can do about it because you can't reverse it. And... Uh, one, one of my favorite things is that, uh, Parker, your friend and mine, uh, Chad Warmington, oh, uh, had something to say about this. Uh, Good man. Chad, my name sounds kind of date rapey. Um, 
and totally and, and, not alluding to defending the oil industry, Warmington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truth is fucking stranger than fiction, right? Yo. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, but he was like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're figuring out. It's trial and error. We're trying to make sure to figure out how to keep this from happening anymore because we don't want earthquakes, too. And, and there's a totally fair point. I'm sure that the oil companies in Oklahoma don't want earthquakes because, one, it's bad PR, and, two, might hurt their capital investment that makes them money. Um, but the problem, the fundamental problem is that there's nothing you can do to regulate this anymore. It, it's over. The, the time frame has passed to stop. Yeah, the earthquakes are happening. It's, yeah, it's already happened. It's not going to, it's, it's, not it's only going to get worse bad. from here. But it's it's more time. of a tapering off, you know what I mean, mathematically speaking, where we, we hit a peak in 2014, but the, the earthquakes are still happening, and, and it's not necessarily one that's continuing to go down. They said they would take more drastic measures, right, if, if the earthquakes don't continue to decline, but I fail to see what those drastic measures even can be, you know what I mean, with how much shit we already put into the ground. Yeah, I mean, that's precisely the point, is that, okay, take all the fucking drastic measures you want, what we have to do is get that wastewater out of the ground, which you can't do. Yeah. Right. You you can't take that stress off the faults underneath Oklahoma without mm -hmm. removing that wastewater. And you're not going to fucking where are you going to put the wastewater? Because that's the other not problem. Not only that, but how that, much will it cost you to do that? That we already that is going to take out of the subsidy, the millions of subsidies we already give you. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they they do not like giving up that money. That's for sure. Yeah. And and it's just. What it means is that all these fucking, just like in goddamn picture of Oklahoma, all these oil companies, once the oil runs out, are going to be dissolved, left alone, and we Oklahomans are going to be dealing with way more earthquakes in fucking California when we used to have none. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, well, and, and all these people who are making the pro-oil policies, they're, you know, 50, 60, 70 years old. They're not going to live to see the, like, negative effects of this shit 40, 50 years down the line. Yeah. Hopefully, though, there will be, like, a 5.0 or 6.0 earthquake that only affects Nichols Hills. <laughs> <laughs> we can pray. And then Fingers crossed. One that hits Broken Arrow, too, right? I know nothing about Tulsa, but I'm, I'm shot in the dark here. Yeah. Really, anything that hits Broken Arrow is probably... <laughs> is I. But, I mean, so, another thing, dividing and cutting up this state very, very dangerously, is that... Uh, Oklahoma's been uh, pretty badly gerrymandered in the last uh, ever um, by because the uh, congressional districts and the voting districts that are um, that are how we decide what people get to get or like where um, Congress uh, men and women for Oklahoma come from has been drawn by the legislature. And there's a, an Oklahoma Watch article that uh, we'll put up that uh, we're getting a lot of this information from. But um, there is a new group called Represent Oklahoma, which is a social welfare nonprofit, and they have a website, and we might link to that. Um, they are trying to fundraise money to put a state question on the 2018 ballot to establish a nonpartisan independent voting commission in Oklahoma to redraw the congressional lines to reflect not gerrymandered lines. Um, uh, the, the one I know about best uh, as an example for this is um, Norman, 
because Norman is gerrymandered terrifyingly. Um, if you're ever in Norman and you go over to the voting commission office, they have a big map on the wall. And I mean, it is three houses in this neighborhood, four houses in that neighborhood, eight houses. I mean, it is so confusingly drawn and everything like that. And the reason it is, is because that way they can shift voters and they can shift households and they can move things around so that the same people end up getting elected over and over and over and over and over again. And that the voices of uh, marginalized communities and minority communities, um, you know, both, both uh, people of color, but also uh, women and political minorities um, are just shoved out. And a big part of the reason it happens so badly in Norman is because there's such a young, highly educated population. And so you have a lot of political diversity. And so they really try and slice it up so that it can't coalesce into pushing uh, uh, more uh, politically diverse candidates. And so this is, I mean, man, this is one of the most important things we can do is to try and push against the gerrymandering that has occurred for so long. Yeah, this is really exciting to see. And I think the, I mean, they've got some precedents shown on the site that seem like they're you know doing pretty well with it and i think the fact that there's both some red and some blue states will be like definitely work in oklahoma's favor mm -hmm. to show i think what it says here like arizona idaho montana so there are some like rural and very right-wing areas trying this which i think would definitely help to push this movement forward in oklahoma yeah and i think a big that it's not like a left-wing issue or a right-wing issue that it's just sort of like hey this works better for everyone if we can fairly draw our you know districts yeah and and i think the big thing is, is so since we do run this 50 percent plus one first past the post electoral system which like has all of its own problems and be really great if we could run a plurality and like, I think that that is something that like, you know, we can push for, but I also think there's a lot of room for debate on how you frame and how you make voting systems in electoral colleges. Um, but like, I, I think the way that they're like kind of couching their argument is to say um, that they are trying to eliminate the efficiency gap and essentially like you're looking at wasted votes um, and that so the term wasted refers both to votes cast above and beyond the 50% plus one needed. Um, so if a hundred votes are cast in election and the Republican wins 60 of them to compare to the Democrats 40, it means nine votes were wasted for the Republican. And so in a calculation of efficiency gaps, Oklahoma and 11 other states scored above what some legal experts and academics argue should be the legal threshold for evidence of gerrymandering. So it's really important that, uh, as we move forward, like they, because that is one of the like institutional ways that like um, people hold on to power. And then especially capitalists in the U S have made a way to hold on to power. Like we are in Ayn Rand's hellscape where we're all paying to vote and like, you know, doing that. But at the same time, like they have used the structures in government to like, bolster their own power while restricting others access to it and i think that this is a really great way of breaking down that uh breaking down that barrier and allowing us to move forward to elect a more politically diverse uh congressional body well and I mean, also i mean mm -hmm. yeah just that gerrymandering has existed for so long when it's blatant voter suppression amongst 
race, class, gender, and age lines in like, you know, every single identity you can come up with gets suppressed through gerrymandering. Mm -hmm. And it's been so blatant for so long. It's, you know, nice to actually see any sort of push to do something about it. Yeah. And it's also nice, too. I think it's important to note that it's um, what they're focusing on right now, because it doesn't look like Oklahoma is going to get a change in its uh, uh, Washington makeup, in its, you know, uh, House of Representatives uh, uh, makeup, since we're probably going to keep the five we have. Mm. Um, yeah, more. It's, it's mainly focused, like, the push they're doing is to end gerrymandering for the state legislature. Yeah. And that's a very big deal because the state legislature is super important. I mean, we we all everyone who listens to this show knows that because basically the whole life of the show has been yelling about the special session. Yeah. Yeah. Um and to work to end gerrymandering at the state level, just like you were talking about with Norman Adam, is a really important method to end up with a more representative policy coming out of the Capitol building. And that's important to end things like, you know, all oil and gas subsidies that mean Oklahomans are going to live with earthquakes for the fucking indefinite future, yeah. you know? Um, and, and I think I, I want to mention that 538's podcast has been doing a special, special thing on gerrymandering. I've really enjoyed listening to it. Um, and and it's, it's a tough and thorny issue, but doing what they want to do, which is basically having a group of people made up of the community saying, we would like to see it look like this, is one you know is is the best way possible to come up with voting districts instead of letting fucking Speaker Charles McCall come up with voting districts, let him starve teachers to death so that fucking Devon executives can pee off the top of Dildo Tower in downtown Oklahoma City on the fours. Yeah, you know, I I like that. Yeah, I mean, like this would be a major step in actually getting fair and accurate representation in Oklahoma, which. It's hard to come by these yeah. days. Yeah. Well, before we move on to uh, the conservative reading list this week, I got a piece of breaking news. Bannon just apologized publicly to Trump. Oh, no shit. <laughs> no, I just got a... What, what the fucking president. That's <laughs> Our president just out-alpha the Sun Tzu brain genius. Oh, my God. Okay, Steve Bannon is no Sebastian Gorka. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Bannon was the one doing all the Sun Tzu quotes. Probably. Probably. He's like doing Sun Tzu quotes and Vladimir Lenin quotes, plus like <laughs> something about IQ and race. Oh, God. <laughs> it's just phrenology reports. Uh. Well, anyway, Carl, I think you like, have actually, a... Actually, uh, the Nordics are, are from the Isle of Thule, which is why they should rule the world. Okay, Carl, we can't talk about Thule on this show or I'm going to scream for four oh, hours. Oh, fuck, I forgot. Yeah, you have to remember... <laughs> We start talking about the Thule I Society. How many people complained about your lizard talk, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Oh it's really bad. <laughs> anyway, Carl, you've got a conservative reading list for us for this week? Oh, oh yes. The Oklahoman, the Oklahoman outdid it, though, man. I was fucking... I had some shit lined I had some other stuff lined up. I had some good choices. And then I, and then I saw this headline, and I was like, Oklahoman editorial board... You never fail to impress. Um, <laughs> because they put out an article where you read the headline and you're like, that's as bad as it can be. And then you read the article and you're like, no, no, no. I was very wrong about how bad this could be. <laughs> um, 
and it's this piece called Free Markets Benefits Should Not Be Ignored. Oh, um, hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Super. Love, love free markets. Free markets, my shit. There's nothing been, better than. <laughs> I've been getting real sick market. of people ignoring the free market, and uh, yeah. someone's putting a stop to it. <laughs> the, the free All market's these... freedom needs to be acknowledged. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Number one, uh, free market has free in the name. How could it be bad? <laughs> <laughs> These are some these are some Trump level brain geniuses at the Oklahoma editorial board. Okay, guys. Um, and, and and the article gets off to a a good a good start, right? A good start. Mm. Some activists believe government planning via regulation generates better outcomes for society than unfettered free market forces. Yet experience continues to show the market routinely provides public good exceeding what government officials can even envision, which is why America has. Hands down, the best healthcare system in the world. Okay, correct. That's, that's just true. Yeah, yeah unequivocally <laughs> Cause, speaking. Yeah, because you get to you know pay whatever the market dictates is a fair price, like twenty thousand dollars for some uh, me- medicine that would be a hundred bucks in Mexico. Some Advil, my dude. <laughs> yeah, there is nothing I love more than having to pay extra for healthcare so that people can get richer. Free market's great. Fundamentally good system. We should have the uh, police and fire departments on a subscription service. Oh, yeah. I've been Don't saying it for years, me, bro. We just not ironically. show up and watch it. Watch to it be fair, down. if somebody's, like, decided to market that as fire flicks, I think it might work, which is dark and bad, but it, but it could happen. Um, if there was an app for putting out fires, it connects you with nearby firefighters. <laughs> the Uber of firefighting. Yeah. Uber fire. <laughs> that's I also, I, I mean, it's called Flamer. Actually, no, that's a grinder knockoff. <laughs> no, that's actually um um that that's where Donald. That's the Donald Trump supporter Facebook. That's a that's a free free speech Facebook Flamer. Um, uh, and then and then uh, but to continue on with the article, they they say a bunch of bullshit about how like their new oil. Uh, natural gas power plants opening up in the Northeast. Okay, cool. Um, kind of unimportant. Not, not, not very useful for talking about what they're, the argument they're making, I think. Um, because then they get on, and they go through that talking about, oh, why are people building these power plants whenever power is cheap? Like, okay. Uh, then then they, they come to a, a really good point, right? Um, the stereotype held by many government planners is that business owners will refrain from building new plants in such an environment to limit supply and drive up prices. Instead, power producers are finding ways to improve their profit margin in a competitive environment with low consumer costs and increased supply. And this is thanks largely to increased drilling. What I'd like to say about this is that literally every company wants to make a monopoly. That's how you make money. Um, that's just an economic truth. Companies do want that. Companies don't want competitive environments. Anyone who knows anything about e- economics will tell you this. Anyone who has had to buy internet service in the U.S. knows this is true. So it's just, again, on its face, obviously incorrect. Um, but then they get to the fucking, the fucking deep shit right after this. This, this, is, this is like not galaxy brain. This is like multiverse brain levels of <laughs> argumentation here because it, it, it's mind-bending. Mind uh, it's a two-paragraph uh, section. Due in part to punitive regulations imposed during the Obama administration, many coal-fired plants are being shuttered. 
So construction of natural gas-fired plants to replace them is in part a response to the impact of government regulation, which proponents of regulation may argue is a point in their favor. In fact, it is. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Just making, true. Making jobs. <laughs> uh, yet the above-noted market reality suggests natural gas would have phased out coal regardless of regulation, based simply on natural gas prices and the age of many coal-fired plants. Okay. Same result. I don't understand why you're yeah, saying Yeah, wh where's the complaint? Then? <laughs> like, like, you're just saying it would have happened anyways. So it's like, well, then why does it matter? <laughs> then it's not market forces that would end up with these results since government regulation ended up with the results you're claiming are good. Um, Hello. But, but here comes the, the true multiverse brain part. One side effect of the shift to natural gas and production of electricity is an associated reduction in greenhouse gas emissions. This means the increase in oil and gas drilling is good for the environment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that one actually like physically hurt me right there. Ugh. That do we have just uh, like physical responses to things that you read? You know what I mean? Be it heart palpitations or the need to just like deep throat your mic. I don't know. It happens to me sometimes. That uh. is, that is the black tar heroin of ideology. If I have oh, ever God. seen it, that's some smooth, creamy ideology right there. It's just like I think they actually pulled that ideology up out from the ground into some of the wastewater that was designed. They, they had to they this had it. to frack this out of their mind to <laughs> get to just a loose surface of insane rationalization. Just your smooth brain thinking here. <laughs> and it's just it's like one of those things where it's like, no, the point of regulation in energy markets, a nice side effect of it. And the push to a green economy is that energy will be insanely cheaper for everybody, which is just true. Um, but, but the real point is that if we don't fucking do it, then like we said in the first Oklahoma story, the microcosm of Oklahoma that is earthquakes that will be with us until everyone listening to the show fucking dies is instead a planet that will be inhospitable because of how hot it is. <laughs> and so they're saying, no, using more fossil fuels is good for the environment, even though literally every single climate scientist that is not getting fucking money from Devon executive says, actually, the, no more. It has to stay in the ground every single drop. So time to take a big old sip of my uh, petrochem and silt infused water and talk about how good drilling is for the environment. So, oh, but that's that Silicon Valley shit now. Apparently, Silicon Valley is into raw water, so I want them to come drink wastewater from Oklahoma. Like, like if we could actually... The most socialist thing anyone could do in America right now is start bottling pitcher water and selling it to people like Elon Musk so that they die. Like Raw water, I, yeah. If anybody on the show wants to start the, the, the uh, um, tri-state area raw water company with me, I, we will do that. I, I promise. Some um, trichinosis springs water so, coming straight from <laughs> So as always, the true the true galaxy brain is actually in the comments under. Uh, and I'm just gonna. Whoa! Always. Whoa! I didn't even look at the comments. Yeah, you never do, and I always have to go look at them because they always include the true galaxy brain. So here we go. So the first comment is: Regulations also help to provide clean water to drink, clean air to breathe, and safe food to eat. Are profits more important than those things? Which, like, yeah, that's basically what we're saying right here. Like, yeah, we should probably have some regulations. So, guy from Norman, oh, Oklahoma. Jesus, Mary. The two things are not mutually exclusive. The problem with regulations is that they tend to grow beyond sensible bounds. 
There's an optimal amount of pollution in the environment, just as there is an optimal amount of dirt in your house. <laughs> I love how this guy is like, I did the math, I gotta go get some dirt from outside, throw it on my floor, my house is not at its optimum. <laughs> oh my Jesus. god. That is the higher level of learning. That is the, uh... Uh, the principate of educational uh, maxims. Um, there is an optimal amount of pollution, and you all should shut up and stop talking so loudly. <laughs> I'm actually surprised by these comments. That's the only bad comment. Uh, yeah, it is. It was the only bad this one. Uh, this is annoying. Yeah, like, if I, I think... go read the Tulsa World comments, there's some guy who's just like... It's like... If you took a word map of Donald Trump's Twitter account and then you turn it into like YouTube comments, that's always on Tulsa World articles. And this is just most of this is sensible, except for this. Yeah, because even Fuck people you. in Oklahoma are like, hey, yeah, maybe it's not a good thing when poisons get dumped into our water and air. Even even pretty conservative <laughs> people don't like there being poison in their water. Oh. <laughs> it it. I'll, I'll go. I'll go one step further and just say that it makes you stronger for the coming apocalypse. Like we're not gonna have these sweet, <laughs> sweet purification systems after Kim Jong Un and D Donald T measured dinguses. And yeah, once once see. we're in the Mad Max hell world where you've got your nitro cars with a pair of truck nuts hanging on them, speeding from <laughs> quick trip to quick trip. I'm stoked. Then yeah, the water makes you stronger. Yeah, that's what I've been <laughs> saying. Point. See, I was moreover hoping that they'd have a, a dick measuring contest to see whose penis could push the button faster. <laughs> but see, that would actually require either of them to be able to maintain erections. I, and... I think you could. I think the free market could use some betting odds like that. I don't know. <laughs> oh, also, I didn't realize. I really don't know. I don't know what news where I would go with that. News OK has a link to the ten, top ten most beautiful women in the world uh, on the bottom of this page too. So. Really high quality stuff. Well, the free stuff. market clearly decided it's Baron Trump, okay? Get out of here. Baron Trump is thick. Baron Trump is a snack. <laughs> motherfucking pog. I will die for Baron Trump. Uh, so before we get to uh, the end of the show and the conclusion, uh, Carl, do you want to explain? You're putting up some uh, new uh, favorites for the week uh, on the subreddit. Do you want to tell yeah, me about I mean, that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of realized that if you're... If you're fucking dumb enough to listen to us yell for like an hour and a half in a week, maybe you like our, maybe you think we have good taste. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to insult your intelligence. I just think we're not the smartest people all the time. Um, but I'm actually um, incredibly smart. I'm a genius, uh, <laughs> a very stable genius at that. Uses the qualifier very all the time, don't you? Don't you? Don't you yeah. laugh? Yeah. <laughs> Always need oh. those uh, super superfluous adverbs. You know, it's an important part of good writing. Um, but I just thought it'd be cool if every, you know, every time we put out a show uh, in the subreddit post, we just, you know, if somebody has a favorite thing they listen to or read in the week, we just include. doesn't matter what it is or something. So we're going to have that included in the, uh, the subreddit post this week. Um, so if you want to see what we're doing outside of the show, you can uh, get to look into our uh, gen genius brains. Our I'm going to uh, go ahead and apologize for mine being probably the most... Uh mainstream white girl but i was very tickled by oregonians aren't allowed to pump their own gas okay i actually like this story because like i remember i i spent a lot of summers in my childhood in oregon i remember going there and just being confused by the idea of somebody pumping your gas but like it you read this shit people do not understand put the the tube in the hole 
Oh, like, and not only that, but so are livid that like anybody is allowed like to think it's like a safety hazard. You need people <laughs> to regulate to pump this gas. You need qualified, certified individuals to pump. Dude, I was reading some of the comments on some of these Facebook pages, dude. And not only that, but like every the entire world has, especially Twitter, which I still need to make one, by the way. Um, hey, has gone Twitter handle, you asshole. Come has on. gone to shitting on these people by just memeing so hard on like uh, Oregon Day. Like they had like a picture of my favorite one was they had a picture of uh, the fires. Oregon Three. <laughs> Oregon's on day three trying to pump their own gas. I like seeing a picture of the Oregon Trail where it said, you have died of pumping gasoline. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the idea of, like, like people thinking that the person pumping your gas is anything other than a teenager who is way too stoned to know what they're doing. <laughs> it not only that, but like this this state law regulation that they're so upset about is like allowing counties with 40,000 people or less to not have attendance on site from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Okay? <laughs> like, that's what they're upset about, is that like they might have to pump their own gas after 6 o'clock. Like, and that it, previously, that means that they all, gas stations, no matter where you were in Oregon, always had to have an attendant on site to pump your gas, even at three or four in the morning, which I find hilarious. It's really That was good. actually a really important part of the Twilight Vampire economy, is that they could all work at night without worrying about sparkling in public. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what, what are we going to do about the vampires? Okay. Uh, actually, they're from Washington. <laughs> oh, God. Right. All right, well... <laughs> As as normal, guys, uh, we've got the Twitter at, at Red Star Over OK. Uh, if Parker ever gets around to making a Twitter account, we'll have his handle underneath there. Um, the subreddits are Red Star Over Oklahoma. Uh, you can listen on SoundCloud and iTunes, Red Star Over Oklahoma. And uh, our uh, email account for any questions, comments, concerns uh, is Red Star Over OK at gmail.com. Hey, guys, tell your friends about us. Uh, rate and review on iTunes, please. It's super easy. You just have to click right there. You can just rate. But if you want to throw us a review, that would be awesome, too. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening this week. And uh, as normal, guys, I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.